I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today's topic is about questions, answering questions in particular. Um, so one of my job, I, I have many jobs, I guess. Well, one of the things I do, obviously, is I interact with the public. Um, and part of that is answering questions. So I thought today I would use my podcast to talk about sort of how, how I came about answering questions and what I've learned in the many, many years of answering questions about how to, how to answer questions. Okay, so first, a little bit of history. Um, so what happened was, even before I came to Wizards, um, I originally, for those that know my history, obviously, I, I started by doing the puzzle column, The Duelist, um, and I was very intrigued with getting interaction and talking to people. So one of the things that I would do is I would go on... Um, the Usenet, but the, the internet of the day, uh, and there were there were magic, you know, there was a place where people talked magic, and I, I used to say, hey, I got a puzzle coming out, you know, uh, oh, what happened was, the way the puzzles used to work was, I would print the puzzle in one magazine, and then I wouldn't print the answer till the next magazine, and in the early days of the Duelist, the next magazine um, could be as much as two months away. So what I would do is I would go online and I'd say to people, hey, you know, it's, it's me, I'm the puzzle guy. If you think you have the answer, you can email me the answer um, and I'll let you know whether or not you're right. So that way, you know, that way people who had solved it, if they wanted to, they could figure out whether they were correct or not. Um, I didn't post the answer because I wanted people to figure it out, but I was willing to let people write to me. To, um, and one of the things that happened, which... A, I wanted to have a little service that I could help people know if they did it correctly. But another thing was, I was always very interested to see how people did the puzzle. Um, and a lot of the early experimentation with the puzzles was watching how other people solved the puzzles. Um, and sometimes what would happen is they would solve the puzzle quicker than I had solved it, less steps than I had solved it. Um, and the way the duelist had worked is my time... People would see the puzzle and could respond to the puzzle before I had to turn in my answers to the puzzle. So one of the things that was kind of a, a nice perk was people would write into me. I got to tell them whether it worked or not. And if people found better answers than the answer I had made, I would find out about that and I could incorporate it. And a lot of times what I would do is someone would find a quicker answer. So when I wrote my answer, I would write the quickest answer, but then say, oh, you also do A, B, and C, which were slower answers that I, you know, I, I knew I had found. Um, and so it was a nice way to sort of, uh, interesting way to check things. But anyway, that's how I started. That's the first time um, I, I interacted with the public was sort of getting information on the puzzles. Um, and then uh, a couple people would, from time to time would ask me things, you know. I put my email out there for people to write to me, and people sometimes would say, hey, and they'd ask something. Um, and so I started answering people because, you know, I thought it'd be fun to do, and, you know, I... Remember the times so that uh, when I was making the puzzles in the early early days, I was working down in Hollywood, and I was um, there's a lot of downtime, you know. Um, that uh, I was when Magic first came out, I was definitely in the phase where I was doing a lot of uh, speculative writing, trying to get more jobs, um, and so I had a lot of free time. This is the time where I would uh, I started working at the the Gamekeeper. Um, so I was going a little stir crazy, being in the house the whole time. Um, but anyway, I had some extra time, and so I, I definitely got involved early on. Um, and what I saw was Tom Wiley. So for those who don't know Tom Wiley, 
Tom Wiley was the very first rules manager. He actually got his job because he spent a lot of energy figuring out the rules, and then he he on the Usenets he would answer rules questions. So whenever like people would post rules questions, and Tom would find the rules questions and then give them an answer. Um, and he's proved to be so good at it. Wizards t- took notice and eventually gave him a job of rules manager. The, the job didn't exist till Tom came along. Now it's a it's a standard. You know, now it's a role somebody has. But at the time when Tom first started doing it, there was no rules manager that didn't exist. Um, but they realized watching Tom answer questions that hey, the really you really needed somebody that understood the rules really well. And so. Um, Tom actually got noticed by posting online answering questions. Um, meanwhile, I, in the early days, you know, um, I was kind of the puzzle guy, but I was associated with wizards, even though at, at that point I, I was a freelancer. Um, but people would ask questions from time to time, and I started, um, you know, I started answering questions about the duelists and things that I knew answers to, I would answer questions. Um, but then I got hired by wizards. And all of a sudden, here I was, somebody who was working at Wizards in R&D, and I still had a pretty good link to um, the internet, you know, to the people, the, so the, the, uh, the main place people talked magic. And so what I started doing was I started um, answering questions, you know, a little more, I mean, official might not be the right word in the sense that no one sort of assigned me the task, um, but I took it upon myself to start answering sort of behind-the-scenes-ish questions. Um, because people were aware who I was, and then they knew that I had started working there. Um, and so I started answering more general magic questions. Now, uh, at some point, uh, Catherine Haynes, who was the editor of The Duelist, came to me. And she saw the stuff I had been doing on the Usenet. Um, and so she said that she'd wanted to start a column. And what she wanted the column to be was somebody sort of talking with the players, kind of giving them sneak peeks of things to come. Um, and she and I worked out a comment. It ended up called insider trading. Uh, and the idea was that, you know, I was a man on the inside, but really I was one of you and I, you know, I, and I'll, I want to feed you information. Um, and so the idea was, um, you know, that the, the audience had already known me. Obviously, I not only was I doing the puzzles, um, but at that point I was writing a lot of columns for the, for the duel, a lot of, you know, articles for the duel. So, like, I was within the duelist a decently well-known person. And so Catherine thought that I would be a good mix to sort of do this behind-the-scenes information. Um, and the column became very, very popular, and um, that's the first place I started doing my little teasers where I would talk about things that were coming without giving you full information. Um, and I did a lot of preview stuff, and I would occasionally we do preview cards, and you know I really started using it to sort of give insight. And that's the first place where I really started explaining behind-the-scenes why and how we did things. Um, and then eventually what would happen is, uh, that would lead to me, um, when I was uh, tasked with making the new website for the, or making the website really, um, of creating daily content for the website, um, I, I liked the idea of having columns, weekly columns. And one of the columns that I decided that I wanted to do is a design column, which I was going to write, which I, and I continue to write to this day. Um... And that really was me delving even more into the, okay, I'm going to get behind the scenes. Um, now, what would happen is, once I started doing my column, I used to get a lot of email. Um, and I would answer my email. Um, there also were threads. We don't have threads anymore. But you could, we had our old bulletin boards back in the day where you could, each, 
each um, column would have a thread with people talking. And a lot of times people ask questions and I would jump in there from time to time and answer questions. Um, um, and, and then uh, along came Twitter. And Twitter gave me a lot of very instant access. And people would ask questions on Twitter and I would try to answer those questions. Um, Twitter is a little... I mean, be aware at each stage along the way. Um, like when I was on the Usenet, that was semi... Well, first people would write email to me. That was private. I mean, not that people couldn't share it, but that was me writing one-to-one. Then I started asking questions on the Usenet. That was more group, a group thing. Uh, then I started doing email for the column. That was a little more private, one-on-one. Although, I did start incorporating some emails I got into some of the stuff I wrote. Um, same when I did the column. In fact, one of my earliest columns... In fact, the column that I wrote that really started defining how I wrote behind-the-scenes information... Um, which was called uh, When Cards Go Bad, um, was I had written a little blurb. Oh, I had started this thing. Okay, let's talk about questions. When we started the website, I started a thing called Question of the Day because um, I really thought it was important for us to be answering questions. And the way Question of the Day worked is every day we'd pick a question, we'd go find the person that's the most appropriate person to answer that question, so if it was a rules question, the rules manager answered. If it was a templating question, the editor would answer it. If it was a design question, I'd answer it, you know, and we'd find the most out. And so somebody asked me about why we made bad cards. And I gave a short but concise answer. Uh, the person then wrote back with a longer letter saying, hey, and, and a much more lengthy comp- complaint about, about it. I then used that letter to write, that was my jumping off point to write the why we make bad cards article. Um, which really was one of the earliest articles I wrote, and really I got a great response, and it did a lot to teach me how to um, respond to that. Anyway, I realize I, I've segued off my column today, talk a little bit about the history of answering columns. I'll get to answering questions in a sec. Um, so then uh, I got on Twitter and started answering questions on Twitter, and then eventually I got to Tumblr. Uh, I started using Tumblr to post my comics, Tales from the Pit, and then eventually, or very quickly, uh, it asked me if I'd be willing to answer questions, and I clicked yes. And then, woohoo, we were off to the races. Now, so I've answered questions in many contexts. I've answered questions through email, uh, in, in magazines, on, online. Um, I've done it through social media, on Twitter, on Tumblr. I've answered a lot of questions. In fact, the statistics I use is on Tumblr, for example, that I'm now five years in, I think. I've been doing my Tumblr for about five years. And I've answered somewhere in the ballpark of like 90,000 questions. Um, and then if you add in, you know, Twitter and email, and I, I have answered probably, I mean, 200,000 questions, or let's say 150,000 questions. I've answered a lot of questions over the years. Um, and so what have I learned? What do I know about answering questions? What's the key? Um, first and foremost, what I've learned is Understand the medium that you're answering the question in. Meaning, certain mediums require different kind of answers. For example, um, if I am answering questions on Twitter, like by the definition of Twitter, I don't have a lot of space to answer the question. And one of the things I've learned is, I mean, every once in a blue moon, I'll, I'll, I'll do a multi-part answer. But usually, I try to answer a Twitter question in a single tweet. Um, which means it is not the place for complex answers. It's the place for quick, pithy, little, short answers. Um, and, but that, 
Twitter is really good. I mean, understand your medium. Me, Twitter is not a medium for lengthy answers. Like, so I, I, my shortest answers are on, on Twitter. Um, on Blogatog, on my, on my Tumblr, uh, I have the ability to write longer answers, but I tend to write shorter answers. Uh, and the reason is, um, it took me a little while to sort of gauge what people wanted. Because I was, at some level, I'm providing a service, right? I made my blog. I, I want it to be something that the audience wants to see. Um, and after doing some research, what I discovered is the most important thing to the people on the blog, as, as, I, as I sort of, uh, was getting an answer from me was a big deal. That people really wanted to be able to ask me a question and have me answer. The problem was I get a lot of questions. In fact, the more questions I answer, just the more questions I get. So, you know, if I've answered 90,000 questions or whatever in the last five years, that's a tiny fraction of the questions I get. I get a lot of questions. Um, and so I try to give interesting but shorter answers because on Tumblr, the goal I realized is I wanted to answer as many people as possible. Now, on the flip side, I do mailbag columns. Uh, um, I do some general mailbag columns, and I do, I do a new series called Odds and Ends, where I, I answer questions specifically about the set that's out. Um, so the, uh, those, I actually want to go a little more in depth. That's my opportunity to give up a, a, a deeper dive answer. Um, and so the first thing about, answer, about answering questions is understand your medium and understand what, what goal you have in mind. Okay, number two is you have to pick and choose your questions. Um, I, I mean, A, I get too many questions even to answer all the questions, but reality is one of the important things about, que- about answering questions is finding the right question. Um, for example, one of the things that will happen is I'll be reading on my blog and some topic will come up. A topic that I know is an important topic and a topic I want to answer. But one of the things I definitely do is try to find the best question so I can give the best answer. Because what you'll find is, let's say something comes up, you know, topic A is all the rage people want to talk about it. Um, Many people will ask you the question slightly different. And how you answer a question is very dictated by what the question is. So one of the, the next big things, the tips of answering questions is sort of be careful in your question picking so that you can sort of say the things you want to say and answer the way you want to answer because um, there's a lot of nuance to how people ask questions. And, um, okay, which segues into number three, which is understand what it is you want to say. One of the things that I find a lot when people answer questions is... Um, that they sometimes go off and, I mean, by the way, I'm I'm occasionally guilty of this, uh, where you answer not what is asked, but what you want the question to be. Um, And it's it's an easy get to get into where someone says says something and go, well, and you start going off and like, that's not really the question they're asking. Um, It's something I've been trying to get better at, which is really understanding, read within the question and understand the subtext of the question. What is it? What is it? The, the, the person asking the question. What is it they really want to know? Because the goal of a good answer is not necessarily answering the surface of the question, but understanding on a deeper level what the question is asking. What's the point of their question? Um, now, I have the luxury on my blog of I get a lot of questions. So if something's important to people, I don't get just one person asking it. I get a lot of people asking it. So I started like and for example, if if 
20 people ask me the same, uh, about the same thing, but each one of them has their own nuance, um, it gives me a better understanding of what the question really is about. What are people concerned with? Because sometimes people ask questions, and the reality is what they really care about is not exactly what they're asking. And so one of the things is trying to understand how to, how to give the good answer by understanding what it is they want. Um, now, another thing that I do that I haven't even got into yet is another big place I do questions are live. Um, I've done, I do interviews all the time. I do podcasts. Um, I do a lot of things where I'm being asked questions live. Uh, and that's, while, while there's some different skills in, in, in live question answering, a lot of it's the same. Um, and one of the things that comes up in the live question, like when you're answering questions that are written, you can kind of pick the question you want to answer. When you're answering something live, you don't quite have that, that like they're going to ask you a question, you want to answer the question. Um, and it's the same basic thing is, can you understand what, what's at the core of what they're asking? Um, like a lot of times, for example, um, one of the things that I think is really important in any kind of question answering is figuring out what is driving the question. What made someone ask the question? Now, sometimes they'll tell you. Sometimes it's like, hey, this happened to me. Like some, pe- some people will give expository. Like, let me explain what happened. Okay, now that I explained that, I'm going to ask my question. They've given you all the context of the question, which is great. Um, but that's not always going to happen. Um, and the other thing for me is, um, on my blog, for example, one of the things is there, there's, I have some restrictions to what I can and can't answer. There's some topics that I'm just not supposed to talk about. Um, and so one of the things is, the other reason I have to be careful picking questions is, sometimes people in asking the question will state something that I can't really sort of talk about. So I can't use their question. Um, another thing that always keeps me in the mind, I'm, I'm, another one I slip up time to time, is make sure you read the name of the people who are sending you questions. Because uh, I try to keep a family-friendly blog, and occasionally I, I answer questions without reading the name of the asker, and they have a name that's inappropriate. When I discovered that, by the way, I erased the question. So if you ask me a question, you have a not family-friendly name. Usually I won't answer your question, but if I accidentally answer your question, I've had to go back and erase it. Um, oh, another thing for people asking questions is be polite. Um, I have no problem with being, people being critical. I have no problem with people ask, asking you know, hard-hitting questions. But you can do so uh, being nice, you know, being polite in how you do that that there's no reason to be antagonistic or be cruel or mean. Um, I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to answer, I'm happy to take criticism and answer critical questions. Um, But what I won't do is I do not like uh, taking people who are not polite and who who are not, um, who who, who are, you know, being unnecessarily aggressive. Okay, next about when answering questions is, so you want to understand what it is they're asking, and then um, remember that your answer unto itself, now, when I start talking about answering questions, a lot, most of what I'm talking about is public question answering. Okay, I, I have answered, I, I, people do write me an email, I do answer emails. Um, now, note, by the way, whenever I answer an email, I write it as if it was going to be posted, but know that most of the time it won't be. But if you write me a question and I answer it, um, I answer questions assuming that the question might be posted. 
Uh, you know, in the magic world, I'm sort of celebrity. Okay, someone might get excited and answer the question. I might post it somewhere. I just assume that they will. But anyway, um, anyway, the, most of what I'm talking about today is answering questions in a more public eye of how to answer questions when it's your job to answer questions and when other people are seeing the answers to your questions. Um, so the next part to be aware of is that um, there's there is an informational part to questions and there is an an education, an entertainment part to questions. Then not only do I want to answer questions, not only do I want to give you information, but also I want to make sure that it's entertaining. So one of the things I do is, um, if someone asks me a question, I make sure I provide the context so that anybody else who's reading the answer understands what the question means. Because something I get all the time, especially on my blog, is someone asks me a question where I know what they mean. I, I'm a magic historian. I've been around for a long, long time. When someone makes them, uh, you know, usually I will get what they're talking about. Um, and if they're not, I, I often, if you read my blog, I'll, I, I go, okay, I'm not sure what you mean. Give me more detail. I'll do that all the time. Um, but one of the things I want to make sure is I want to make sure that I explain, I give context when giving my answer. Um, and that the way to think of it is a lot of times when you're interviewed uh, in interviews, what they say to you is the audience is not going to hear the question. I'm giving you the question so you have it. But you have to answer. You have to put your answer as if it doesn't require hearing the question. And so, um, so if, let's say someone said, uh, "What color are your shoes?" I can't just say white, because the if you haven't heard the question, white doesn't mean anything. So the answer would be, "My shoes are white." That way, I've given information. You know information. Um, and so when people ask things, you have, to, you have to give your answer, or like in an interview, a lot of the times you need to give your answer uh, assuming the audience didn't hear the question. That's pretty true for print as well, which is you want to make sure that your question um, can stand alone. I mean, not, not that people won't read the question, but you want your answer to stand alone. And be aware that um, part of what, like, like part of my blog is or, or anything, my Twitter, whatever. Any place where I interact with the public, I'm trying to perform a service. I'm trying to give people information. But also, I have a persona. I'm, I'm the magic guy. I'm the head designer. I, you know, I'm, I'm the behind-the-scenes person. And I, I want people, like, I want to craft. My goal is not to a- answer questions in a vacuum. My goal is to a- answer questions in a larger context. That if I'm going to be the, one of the answer people, I want people, I want to build a sense of faith with people. You know, one of the things I work very hard is, for example, is I want to be very accurate. I want to make sure that if you read my question, that what I'm saying is correct. And sometimes, one of the tricky parts for me is, sometimes I got to give answers, but there's things I don't want to give away. That happens a lot. Where, like for example, um, people were asking me during uh, Battle for Zendikar whether or not there were fetch lands in in the booster packs. Okay, well, we had done Zendikar expeditions that had fetch lands, so technically speaking, you could open up a booster pack of Battle for Zendikar and get uh, fetch lands. Um, but they weren't, they, they, they were only expeditions, they weren't normal cards in the set. So when people were asking me, are there going to be fetch lands in... Um, Battle for Zendikar, I realize that there's a lot of expectation and I want to let the audience know whenever, like, another thing about questions is being proactive. Um, 
sometimes it's like, oh, I think people will be confused about this or, or people are worried about it. I want to make sure I can, I can calm, the, calm them. So I will answer a question that gives me the opportunity to say something I want to say. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's, I have something I want to say and I find the right question so that I can say that thing. I can give new information. That's another thing I will do, often do with questions. Um, and when I give that new information, I want to make sure that I'm being accurate because I want you to trust that what I'm saying is true. I don't want to say things and you go, hey, that, that wasn't true. I, I want, I want, it's important to me that I create a trust between the reader and myself, you know, the question askers and myself, that I want, to, I want them to know that, hey, I might not always give you all the information, sometimes I can't. Um, oh, and so for example, the tricky part was, people are like, are there going to be um, fetch lands in um, Battle for Zendikar? And so I needed to answer the question in a way that told people there weren't going to be fetch lands in the set proper, but not try not say you couldn't open one because that's not true. Um, but remember, at this point, expeditions wasn't something anyone knew about, so I couldn't reference them. Um, so what I ended up doing was I, I said that there there was a cool cycle of dual lands, but it wasn't fetch lands. The, you know, the rear dual lands are going to be um, new. And by doing that, I never said you couldn't get one, but I implied heavily that they, they weren't in the set proper, which was true. So I both made you, you know, not have expectations that you were going to open up, you had know, the pre-release and just easily open up one of the fetch lands. Um, but, you know, it, it's walking the thin line and that one of the things about being a question answerer is there's a lot of responsibility, especially when you're officially a question answerer. Um, the other thing that's important to me is um, not only do I need to be careful on my information, I want to be precise, but I want to not give away information I'm not supposed to give away, um, but also the tone is important. That I, this is a job, you know, I, my presentation with you, and I'm presenting my company and how I present myself. And so there's a demeanor that's really important. Um, and sometimes I do answer questions of people that are not, like, I, I, I highly prefer people being polite, but sometimes, look, the question I really need to answer, I, I, I only, you know, the best person asking it is being a little aggressive, um, but I try really hard to sort of, it's my job as a spokesperson to put on a good face, and that it's my, not my job to complain it's not my job to yell at people. It's not my job to be overly defensive. I need to sort of straight face answer things. Uh, I need to own up to things. You know, if, that's another thing is um, if I say something that turns out not to be true or, or more often than not is I say something believing something to be true, learn more information and realize that the information I gave wasn't true, I will always come back. And I will say, hey, I got new information. Sorry, the information I gave you is not true. I will, all, I will correct myself whenever possible. If ever I notice that I've given information. And it's not because I, I mean to give false information. There's just times where I think something is true and it turns out not to be true. There are a lot of moving parts in magic. And, you know, there's things that I think I understand or think I know about. But the reality is, oh, something changed when I wasn't involved and I didn't know. Um, and... I, it is important to be genial. It's important to be... Um, you have to take the high road. That sometimes people will come at you. I've had people say mean, mean things to me. 
Um, I've had people, you know, um, part of being a public figure is you're the man and a lot of people will take swings at you and um, say things that they would probably never ever say to your face. Um, but you need to take that in stride. You need to have a thick skin. Uh, and part of answering questions, at least publicly, is trying to put on a good face and say, you know, um, you know, I, I try very much. And the other big thing about questions for me is I also am big on context, meaning I, I want to give you enough information that I can explain what I need to explain. And sometimes to do that, I need to bring in information that you know nothing about so that I can give you a larger sense of context. Um, and if you notice, a lot of the way I answer questions is to try to not just answer that question, but if need be, answer a larger swath of questions. It's very common, for example, for me to answer a question and in my answer address what I know would be a question based on the current question. Like I'll, pre I'll proactively answer questions. I do that a lot too. Where I say something, I go, okay, for those that are going to, you know, like I can imagine you asking this question, let me just answer it now to save you the trouble of having to send in the question. Um, and so I think that it's part of, of what I try to do is, and like I said, if you notice all these things coming together, I'm trying to be informative, I'm trying to be educational, I'm trying to have a good demeanor, I'm trying to represent my company, I am trying to um, create a familiar tone, that's another important thing, is that you need a voice. I, I talked about, I, I mentioned all, many times how in stand-up you need a voice. In writing you need a voice. And that, you know, I work really hard that when people answer questions, that no matter where I answer the question, whether it's in my blog or in my column or in my um, social media or in a live interview, that I want to sound the same. I want to, like, I don't want you to read my answer to one question and read my answer to another question and go, that's not the same person. Um, and I work really hard. I mean, one of the things that helps a lot is I'm a writer and that I write a lot, a lot. Um, and I've definitely found my voice. I definitely, you know... Um, I know how to sound the way I want to sound. And, and be aware that not every question requires the same tone. That some questions are serious questions. And you know what? I will answer serious questions seriously. Some questions are very, they're funny questions or jokesy questions or things that are lighthearted questions. And I will answer a lighthearted question in a lighthearted way. Um, at least I try to, occasionally I don't. Um, but the idea is you want to match the tone of the question, meaning you want to sort of um, while you want an overall voice, you also want to be able to adapt to each question. And be aware, that's an important thing. You have to understand what the person is asking, why they're asking it, what context they have to it, and then what kind of answer are they looking for? You know, sometimes people are looking for you to just own up to something. You know, like, oh, this was horrible. And they just want to hear you go, you know what? We made a mistake there. Yes, that was not what we aimed to be. Or here's what we were trying to do. And yeah, that didn't quite happen. Sometimes people just want acknowledgement. Sometimes it's, they just want to be heard. Sometimes people w truly just want to understand something and they don't get it. Um, there's many, many different types of questions. And that in some level, questions aren't all the same. And so when you get a question, you want to understand who the person is that wrote it, who they are, what they want, what's their context, and what kind of answer are they looking for? Because what you don't want to do is have someone looking for one kind of answer and then give a different answer. Um, now, that said, 
Also remember that if you do, if you answer a lot of questions, especially publicly, there's a contextual larger issue as I talked about, which is what, how are you presenting yourself? And so one of the things that I care about when I, like I said, I am a spokesperson. I am someone who I, I want you to understand and be aware. Another really important thing is the reason that I've been so up on questions, the reason that I write a column and have a blog and do social media and all the stuff I do is I believe that information is a powerful force. I believe that, like, in my mind, one of the things that makes Magic such a great game is the amount of time and energy we spend on it. We spend a huge amount of time, and we think about all sorts of things. And that one of the things I want to do is I want people to see that. I want people to understand what we've done. I want people... I feel like when you do quality work, that educating the audience to recognize what you do is a value. That I feel that magic is a high quality game. So I want people to understand, hey, what should you expect out of a game? What, you know, what, what are games capable of? Uh, and the other thing is, I also, I, I feel an obligation um, that, uh, what I, you know, paying it back, if you will, that I learned from some great people how to become a game designer. That there were people out there that modeled for me what to do for game design. I want to do the same thing. I want to be a model for people that want to do their own game design. And that, that's another big thing. Another big area I do in questions is not just behind the scenes of the game, but talking about game design in general. That I want to educate people and I want to sort of give back. Um, games have done a lot for me. I, my life has been made so much better because of games. And I want to give back to games. I want to give back to magic. I want to give back to games. I want to make sure that if I could take expertise that I have learned and share it with the next generation of game makers and in some way have some influence and help make the next generation games even better, well, that's an awesome thing. That is me. Um, like I said, my true love is gaming. And so to be able to give back to gaming in a way where you know I can help up the level of gaming and, and just make gaming ever better. You know, one of the famous quotes is, uh, I might be paraphrasing this, but if I see farther, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, I think it's Newton. Um, the idea essentially is you, you learn from what comes before you, and the reason that you are better is from them you learn, and then you build on those learnings. And so that's another big thing I want to do with my questions is try to do that. Um, but anyway, I'm almost to Rachel's school, so to sum up, when answering questions, the major things to ask, to repeat one last time, who is asking the question? Why are they asking the question? What, what is it they want to know? And then how are they answering the question? Because your answer has to match the tone of what they're asking. Um, so when answering your question, make sure that you're giving the answer they want, you're giving the context they need, you are matching the tone of the kind of, you know, your answer matches their question, um, and make sure that you are thinking larger text of what, what you're doing in the context of questions if you're answering a bunch of different questions. And that, my friends, is me answering questions about questions. So hopefully that was uh, informative today. Um, but anyway, I'm now here at Rachel's school. So we all know what that means. It means the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.